One. For you who have been watching the show for a long time and know that usually on Fridays before a Michigan football game, I wear a Michigan shirt. But you know what? It's a special occasion. Restore the roar. Could it be a Lions-Dolphins Super Bowl? What would that do to the karma of this show? Enough sports. I know you guys hate that. s and up 16. Can the rally hold? We got some numbers at 8.30. Nike. Holy Nike. We got to talk about Nike. And let's see. Let's see if we can figure out whether or not this rally is going to hold. It's Friday. I'm fired up. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders and investors. You can tell we're all fired up today on pre-market prep. The real pre-market prep. We're up 17 handles at 43.54.50. Caught a bid uh, during the, the uh, after-hours pre-market session. And uh, just off the high of the day, 61.50. Uh, the dollar pulling back. That's helping things. It's down 40 cents. The bonds up a half a point. We got a lot to talk about the bonds and the TLT at 114 and 132. Crude will not surrender the $90 handle, up a buck 34 at 9305. Gold up 710 at 1885.80. Silver up much more on a percentage basis. That's up 61 cents at 2335. And Bitcoin down $215 at 27,140. We got to bring in Triple D on the hop, and we got to bring. We're not allowed to talk any sports on the show. We won't talk about sports whatsoever. This is a stock. You show. win one game, we and you see what happens. Any sports uh. whatsoever. No dominance in the Green Bay. None. We will talk no sports. So go no we sports. Won't, we won't talk Tua, who is who the Lions could have had in the draft. Right, but they <laughs> they passed on him. Tua hangs up seventy on the Broncos last week. I mean, come Prime on, time man. Detroit, Michigan, man. This is our Prime time, time, baby. Okay, we cannot talk about the team that's not to be mentioned because people don't like talking with the Lions. All right, all right, all right. Let, let, let's let's go <laughs> straight to it. Let's talk all Roar, about. Look, everybody, look down. down. The field. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody it's look down. Are you Lions. wearing let's, shoes? Let's be honest here. <laughs> oh yeah, it's forward down the field. <laughs> the courteous song ever. I, I still love it though. Well, well, hey, Ford better get their act together because uh, more strikes coming soon. We'll talk a little let's bit go. about that, but let's get into the Nike action. Nike report, of course, Ooh. biggest report of the day. Going to continue to watch to see when we get Carnival, but you guys let me know. Scream at me in the chat when you guys see that hit the tape. Nike here, EPS 94 cents beats the 74 cent estimate. Sales of 12.93 billion missed the 12.98 billion. Nike executive said 
member engagement within DTC business up double digits versus last year. Also said to expect to report revenue to growth mid single digits for the full year. North America sales were down 2% year over year. Greater China sales were up 5%. European sales climbed 8%. Asia Pacific and Latin America sales were up 2%. Nike direct revenues were up 6%. And then Nike's brand digital sales also increased 2% here. Wholesale revenues were flat. The whole reason Nike is trading up 9% here this morning is that expectations were absolutely in the gutter. There was nothing really great in this report, but if one reported on the right day because we had a huge reversal in the overall market. So they were hungry for stocks. And two, they're like, it's good enough. Let's go. Let's buy. And then the call and the guidance was okay. Everything was just okay at Nike. This is not like, oh my goodness, did you see that Nike report? So you're getting a nice pop. It's a relief pop. Major resistance up at 100 bucks, basically just because expectations were in the gutter going into the print. Uh, I don't know if we talked about this on the closing print, but I mean, you look at that upper right chart and have you ever seen a more bullish chart? I mean, how could you be short going into the report with something like that? I mean, it's just, <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I'm telling like, you, man, I, those I mean, are the just, ones you want to be going want, long man. into the reports. I know. This is how it works. When they're going straight up, you want to be short going to the report. When they're going straight down, you want to be long into the report. That's the way this earnings season worked. I mean, we're at the end of it now, but that is totally the way this earnings season works. It's a simple game, folks. It's a simple game. 18. Spender talks about this all the time in the chat. I do too. Expectations low. Easy to beat, low bar. Expectations high. Like, you know, go back to the NVIDIA quarter. That was amazing, and they sold off on it. It's all about expectations. Mitch, what did you say about the B2C? Could you just repeat that? Because I, I've just noticed less Nike stuff in the stores, and maybe they're trying to get, you know, people more direct and not go through the stores. Was that was that something that yeah, was Yeah, D2C in? business of yeah. double digits versus last yeah. year. And so yep. one thing that we've seen Nike – completely make the move in is that before it was like okay how can we get this into all the shoe retailers out there every store now it's okay let's just give them some mm -hmm. model and let's mm -hmm. some models and let's actually just sell it directly to the consumer and this is the move that we're seeing what's really affecting Foot Locker, right that's what's really giving them the hit is that more and more companies are looking at D2C and that actually helps them with expenses, right? They're just able to keep it at the Nike factory versus shipping it to Foot Locker, yeah. then them having to go ahead and ship it to their stores, put it out. Oh, I, I yeah. think pay them. Run, and pay them too. Yeah. Yeah. There's it no makes point in Nike yep. doing anything else but selling it directly to you. Uh, filling a, uh, gonna try and fill a gap here up to 99.03 and Dennis met the psychological $100 level. So, you know, if you have a profit target in this area, you know, take it 97, 98, 99. I almost looked at the straddle in this thing too, because I was thinking, man, this, this can't move five, six, seven bucks. And here it is up eight and a half bucks. I think a little bit longer term, you know, we'll see what, you know, what happens with this move. If it's just a gap and go and it builds on it, you know, what I, I, I would like to see some kind of pullback. I don't think we'll get to uh, the top of yesterday's range at 89 and change. So let us settle out hundred big psychological number. 
obviously sympathy moves here. Lululemon, yep. Under Armour. You think about those. About Under Armour's getting a pretty good lift. And the and all you know, Deckers. You could go into De- You know, you can go into yeah. all those Dick Sporting Goods, Deckers, Crocs, Skechers, O N O N. Retail in general, I think retail will have a decent day because this helps, you know, because retail's all been in the gutter. So think about all the potential sympathies, all kinds of different peers to look at on this Nike report. One that uh, has been coming back to the gap that remember when it got the lift was on on holdings. Remember yeah. that one? Um, it's been coming back towards Oof. the gap and it's been bouncing off this 25, like 75 area multiple times. Now the question is, are, are is this one going to get the lift back or going to hit oh, that man. gap zone? It's getting and... it right today. It's up 4% with the obviously sympathy move with Nike. I think you come to a logical area of bouncing. I think that's what the stock market did on a lot of stocks. You know, you've come down quite a bit. Like we were saying, there's a lot of stocks that have gone down to support. There's a lot of stocks that haven't sold off like Apple, but there's a lot of stocks that have been hit pretty hard. And I mean, on Anna, it's one, two. That was a storied stock that was trading, you know, up just over, well, not even that long ago. I mean, we talked about a month and a half ago. This thing was $37, now 25 I mean, this is a Kramer stock. It's been pitched by social media. It's the future of retail. I mean, I've heard all kinds of stuff on, 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 on. And it goes on and on. But $25, that's probably some a decent psychological level of support. As you dive deeper into this report, one comment that was given by Nike was cautiously planning for modest markdown improvements for the balance of the year given the promotional environment. So what are they saying there? They're pretty much looking at what? Well, they're going to have to mark down some of these shoes to get them sold this holiday season. And that they're looking at others really kind of giving that promotional environment. So you could see some markdowns and maybe hurting their own margins just so that they can what get those sales that they need, especially coming up with the holiday season. They're sharp shoes. Have you seen them, Dennis? Do people no. uh, wear them in Canada? They're, no, they're sharp. Um, they're not. Uh, a lot of them are not. Uh, they're like slip-ons. They're not. A lot of them are not lace. You know, laces. And like when I'm in the gym, you know, doing lifting or what. I mean, I like tie. I like good support. But they look good. Roger Federer, you know, is behind it. Uh, to me, that's What's just a pair a, of those shoes cost. Uh, I bet yeah. you they're not cheap. I bet 100 you to 160, somewhere in that range. Just like a Nike shoe. Well, let's that's just be not honest. Bad. I'll try them on. I'll try them on next time I buy a pair of shoes. For me, this is a really tough chart. I mean, you got the gap in April, or excuse me, the gap in my, it's just a gappy all over the place. You know, you now you got the upside gap. I mean, I'd be a buyer all day at 22 bucks, but you know, when's it going to get to 22 bucks, right? When it triple tops. So hard, hard to give technicals on this with such a gappy stock. If I did have to give one level, if you, you stretch my arm behind my back, I would say 2750 uh, is your three and four day highs. Let's keep moving here. Blue Apron shareholders to receive $13 a share wow. via tender offer from Wonder Group. I don't know what the Wonder Group is or if they should be going after Blue Apron. Uh, 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 Have you guys ever gotten Blue Apron delivered? No. In the chat, uh, uh, let this me know. This was a shocking let me know, takeover chat. to me. So there's a lot of stocks that look like Blue Apron. You know, the storied stocks from 2022 that are absolutely in the gutter. 
Maybe there are some diamonds in the rough here. I did not think Blue Apron was a diamond in the rough. I wouldn't have anticipated this gets taken over for 120% premium or 130% premium, but that's exactly what has occurred. So congratulations, <laughs> Blue Apron shareholders. I mean, if you've held for the last couple of months, you're doing pretty good. You held for the last couple of years, you're probably still hammered on it. Is it the Wonder Group behind Wonder Bread? I don't know. I was thinking the all-time high on this poppy. You know what the all-time high is? Because must have some splits or something. Reverse splits. Yeah, nineteen hundred and eighty dollars. Yep. One thousand nine hundred and eighty dollars a share. So if you bought it up there when everybody was hyping this thing when it came out, you were down a cool ninety-nine percent still. But congratulations, you got stock taken over. Data use is there Hello Fresh out there? Is there something like that? That um, yeah. yeah. And then we got something to we at least tried it during the pandemic. You know, it's just supposed to be really. But there was like you know, there was like ninety-seven things you had to do. You might as well use your own recipes. But. uh, you know, um, what cash take out 13 bucks. No one saw this coming. Uh, you know, I mentioned beyond Meat. Dennis said beyond Meat's going to zero. Um, I, I can't think of sympathy plays, um, for this one really. Uh, no, it's not even to worry about sympathy on stuff like this. I mean, there's going to be some stocks that are obviously mispriced. We have been hammered on a lot of stocks. I mean, all the storied stocks from 2020. 2020, 2021, that were, you know, are going to take over the whole world. A lot of those are down 95 to 99%, you know, and Blue Apron was one of them. So, I mean, is there some stocks that could get taken out, you know, for premiums at these prices? Maybe, but some of those are also going to zero. I don't know which ones are getting taken out, which ones are going to zero. So that's where I'm still back to my valuation cap. There are some stocks here that are grossly mispriced and grossly been hammered, but I wouldn't have cited Blue Apron as one of them. Yeah, this Mark Lore started Wonder. It's a food delivery startup that operates truck-based restaurants from which consumers could order their own food through a mobile app. So this guy's just getting their customer base at uh, a steep discount. So never heard of the Wonder Group. I thought of Wonder Bread too, Mitch, when it came up. But, uh... <laughs> Maybe it is. Uh, Maybe the it Wonder, is. the good old Wonder Bread. All right, uh, let's... That a couple days ago. Well, the, the slice of bread isn't going good for the strikes out there. UAW 10 a.m. deadline for further strikes here. Uh, we haven't seen them really affect the stocks. Let's just be honest. And it's a, it's I, I think the strikes in there. The strikes in there. Yeah, that's what the you think, Dennis? It was yeah. just priced ahead of time. Yeah, when and there's the going to be a lift when they eventually do get a deal. So you have to be careful of that. That lift, I believe, will be short-lived. So I think it'll be a selling opportunity, um, even a shorting opportunity. I do believe these are value traps. So I'm going to stick with that thesis. There are some stocks to buy out there you know, on the dips. But but foreign GM, I don't think, are those stocks. Because I do think the CarMax was a little bit of a tell. I think the foreign GM sales are going to fall off a cliff. This, even, without, even without the production here. I think demand's just going to fall off a cliff. And especially if they got to raise the prices because they get a new labor deal and those prices got to go up more. Who's paying $80,000 for a pickup? I mean, it's gone crazy. So you look at the prices of the dealership. I'm going to drive my car and the trucks longer. And that's what will happen. I mean, you know, it's basically, you know, what the dealerships are. It's like upgrade cycles. Every three to five years, you know, a lot of people like to upgrade their vehicles. Well, people are going to be driving them more, longer. And that's not good for GM and Ford. And that's just because the pricing of them is just way too expensive. 
And they're going after the dealers too by not, you know, sending the supplies, the parts supplies. So it's really, it's really trickling down, and, and the consumer is the one it's, you know, is is going to be hurt. I mean, obviously there needs to be some kind of raise. I thought, I thought them coming down from thirty percent to forty percent, maybe that was a reason for the pop yesterday. Is that, uh, did they come down to thirty now? I, I thought I read that. I don't think I, I, I made that up. I think I saw that on, uh, on Twitter. So it could be made up. But uh, man, there's just got to be some kind of middle ground. But it, it's uh, it's gonna it's just gonna affect all of us. And um, you, you know what my question? Everything. And I watched that Sully segment there. I don't know if you caught it, Mitch. Um, just a couple of days ago when he was interviewing all the people in Detroit. And we love Detroit, but I mean, all in on these benefits, people are still getting. You know, at this current time, it says sixty six bucks an hour. You know, with the benefits and everything like that. And they're all saying they can't make ends meet. I mean, that's 130000 a year. There's a lot of people in America that make a hell of a lot less than that and still try, you know, can make ends meet. I, I don't know how you can't make ends meet on 66 bucks an hour. I honestly don't. So I yeah, get it. Might be, uh, Ford, spending but they're on there and saying they have to have second jobs. Like the one person was like, I'm working Delta too. I work at Delta as well because I can't make ends meet. I've got a house and I've got a kid. $66 an hour. Maybe you should check your spending habits a little bit because I feel like at $66 an hour, that's $120,000 to $130,000 a year. I think you should be able to make ends meet at that. So I, if you want to make the argument that Jim and Ford are breaking in record profits and the CEO is making $300 million a year and we want a piece of that, that's fine. But getting on there and saying these people are hard up, I don't know if that's the case. Let's go to upgrades and downgrades here. Uh, getting out of the UAW conversation, Loop Capital upgrading Bumble to buy, announcing $18 price target. Bumble, I haven't t- heard Bumble mentioned in forever. Of course, this kind of trades with Match Group. If you want to look at a similar relationship here, um, this has been in the gutter. Is it starting to wake up maybe on this upgrade? Uh, I think some of these stocks have all have been in the gutter. I mean, this is where we've got to really give it perspective here because we can look at the S&P and say, oh, it's sold off 6 7%. There are stocks down 40 50% in the last couple of months. Some of these stocks are oversold. I don't know if it's Bumble. I don't know if it's Square. I don't know if it's Dollar General. But all I know is we have had a crash in probably 20% of the stocks out there, maybe more than that, like a crash. Like we've fallen 40 to 50%. In two months, Bumble, $22, $21 back in July, $14. That's seven on seven dollars stock. That's a 34% fall. That the crash of 87 was a 27% fall. So you can basically say Bumble has crashed over the last two months. Is there some diamonds here? Is there some undervalued stocks? Maybe you should do some stock picking here. There's probably some opportunities in the rubble. I don't know if Bumble's one of them, but some analysts thinks it is. Uh, that's the one where the ladies get to make the choice, right? Is that uh, the dating app? Yeah, you know all about that, Joel. Right? Oh yeah, I do. Joel's <laughs> <laughs> on there. He's got his secret. Got set up there. You set yourself up there, Joel. Yeah. What's the one, Ashley Madison or something? What's the other one? Oh, Dennis. Don't... <laughs> Don't tell about Joel's secret Madison account. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. You, you on the farmer one too, Joel? With that uh... <laughs> farmer? There's a farmer one. <laughs> I mean, the if they, if uh, this could get over, is it over fifteen bucks? Yeah, I mean, you had three, four highs right at the fifteen dollar area. Actually, four highs in a row. If it could hold a fifteen bid, you know, why not go to 
15 and a half uh, as far as trying to buy this on a pullback. Uh, the top of yesterday's range was 14.54. So just a whole, we just got to, after the show's over, I'm going to go and I'm going to look for the worst looking charts. And then I'm just going to go and buy those stocks. Just, they just have to look. Top Sometimes of the page those are the, the buys. <laughs> Sometimes top those of the, are the page, buys. bottom of the page. That's what I'm going to look at. And what it's else? It's a is... contrarian market, folks. We have been in a contrarian market here for the better part of a year and a half. And the Momo traders can be out there and say, yeah, we just buy momentum. But I tell you, if you were just buying momentum a month and a half ago, you're long stuff like on on and losing 30%. So, I mean, you have stopouts, but there's always pockets of momentum. But contrarian trading oh. has worked. When the stocks are going down and looking like hell, they've been buys in the last year and a half. And when they're going straight up and looking awesome, they've been sells. So we are in and still remain in a contrarian market. Bank of America boosted its rating for Bud to buy from neutral and assigning a price objective of $68 Holy. and saying here that it's approaching a margins inflection point. Mm, not contrarian, Bud. It's not the not even about the woke stuff, which obviously, you know, they made a mistake and we watched sales fall off a cliff. It's more just that margins are probably going to be getting squeezed here too on these types of companies i mean consumer staple but is basically a consumer staple we have seen what has happened to consumer staples this stock really hasn't sold out that much considering if you took the the, the woke stuff out of there the stock probably be up at all-time highs so i mean i just think bank of america's wrong here and i wouldn't be buying but it wouldn't be at all-time highs dennis you don't think they knocked 10 bucks off the price for the woke stuff well, that's not all time. You, you said all time high. Oh, sorry. I, I'm, yeah, I'm looking I, at I, the last four years. I didn't go back far enough. Yeah. So, okay. okay. No, that's fine. the last yeah. three years. So I'm looking even the 2023 eyes of $65. So just looking yeah. at that 65, 66. If they take that, that sell off from May from the 66 to the 56 was all the woke stuff. 100%. Because we saw the sales fall off a cliff. Budweiser just doesn't go down like that out of the blue. I mean that the, that was all the woke stuff. But now you're in this consolidation, <laughs> and you and you broke down, and then you bounced up a little bit. Now you're getting a, a, a check back yeah. because the, of the rating here. I think it's more of a selling opportunity than a buying opportunity. Uh, you got gaps to fill here. Uh, pre just like spotty trading here at the fifty-five sixty-eight level. What I would like to do is there's there's a little bit of confluence there. You had a high at fifty-six seventy-eight. Ooh, that's another buck. No, fifty-five seventy-eight, right where it's trading. That's your four-day high. After that, it it opens up, really opens up in the fifty-six handle. But first things first, two buck. That probably is more than its average trading range. So you're really going to need someone really convinced off this Bank of America uh, to continue this rally in bud. And if you, you know, if you were a bottom fisher the last two days. Uh, Lean on a double bottom. This is a, a, you know, a nice little scalp, a nice little surprise. So we'll see if we can get through that uh, that fifty, get to that fifty six handle with a big bid, and things could change a little bit. I wonder if Bill Gates will buy some more of it. Of course, he's the recent he did, investor he did. that yep. went big. He bought ninety five million of it, and that was on Wednesday, September sixth. Uh, so we'll see what happens if he comes in for more. But is what Bill happened? Gates still in short Tesla. Uh, I, I don't know that one. Uh, I had to take a look into <laughs> the, that one. Probably the, the not fade the best. Bill Gates bit. trade has been a pretty good one there because <laughs> we know he put the big short on Tesla there, and obviously that didn't work out that great for him. 
Yeah, I don't know what happened in 2016 and why they started coming down. I know I started leaving college around that time, and maybe you know we drove it up. And you know, as I left college, I know. Uh, oh, you know, they didn't sell enough Bud Light anymore. <laughs> you know what it is? I think it's just like that. This uh, people are drinking other things. Like what? Is, yeah, you know, the, other you know, other options, yeah, right? Yeah, other yep, options, yep, right? Yep. And then uh, that also ran into all that craft beer movement, right? That's yeah, probably what yeah. happened too. That, uh, let's that get to that. That hurt all these companies, the craft beer movement. I mean, yeah. my fridge was full of Bud Light and stuff, and it's got all kinds of craft beers in there now. It's just fun. It's fun. Like, oh, what are you drinking today? At different craft breweries. So it's hurt them too. I've always been a Miller Lite fan. I was a Miller Lite fan even before Bud Light. So I'm still going to stay the Miller Lite fan. But Bud Light tastes fine. I drink a Bud Light. I don't care either way. But Miller Lite's, Miller Lite's my beer. Let's talk about what happened yesterday, right? We did get a balance in tech. Some of these stocks bouncing more than others. Some that are on my radars. Of course, I'd ask you guys, is this just another bounce to be sold? But one stock that's starting to catch my attention, I wrote it up for one day. I haven't traded it since then. But Arm, Arm is starting to finally turn around and go green a little bit here. Is this what's turning around the tech trade a little bit maybe? Yeah, I think so, Mitch. We bounced off of 50. It's a psychological level. He actually put a triple bottom in there basically from just yep. last week. So, and then now it's getting a little bit of a lift here. I think just seller exhaustion to a certain extent. I mean, we tried to call this, you know, two days too early, Joel, me and you wanted to get bullish. You know, I tried to buy a bunch of stocks, got stopped out on some stuff. And, um, you know, and then we went down another 50 S&P handles here. But seller exhaustion. We were due for a bounce. We were oversold. Is this like the start of the new bull market? I don't think so. I think there's going to be another retest of these lows coming. So I don't think you need to like, oh my goodness, I've missed the bottom. I think it's going to come back. I think we're going to come back down here. I do still think the economy is falling off a cliff. And I think a lot of that isn't priced in. But we were just way oversold. We don't go straight down. I mean, we sold off exactly. from 450 SPY to 420 SPY in nine trading sessions. That was one of the most vicious sell-offs of the year. So we needed to bounce. 7% fall off in nine days is significant. A check back to like 435, the 50% retracement. That's where you start unloading everything you just bought. But don't get married to these positions you bought yesterday because I think there'll be a retest of those lows. Uh, real quick, Arm, uh, you know, you had the big move. You went up to almost 70. You went down to 50. You, I'd say right now, I mean, not a clear path, but I could see it get back and fill in that gap. Bernstein sacked it on that third day. It came out and had hit it, had the momentum. You know, why not? Why not do a 50% retracement? See if you could get in, hold 60 bucks, and then work its way again. But once again, Eric Kroll telling us you're good. You know, you see those beautiful candles on the first day, but you almost always get a shot to buy it below that that opening price, that IPO price. But uh, there it is, trading up in the pre, pre-market session, 41 cents. I think that's good advice. Get ready, team. PCE is coming. Oh, my gosh. I forgot. Get ready. In just about two minutes, we'll definitely get the Fed Reserve's preferred inflation metric. We'll take a look at this. PCE, core PCE (laughs) advancing 3.9% year over year is the estimate here in August and gaining 0.2% on a monthly basis. And we'll also be getting more economic data to come in. Pay attention to that. Uh, We'll get the Michigan consumer sentiment later today at 10 a.m. Don't miss that. Of course, you guys can keep up with all that with Benzinga. We'll see what happens today. Of course, I will be watching especially that core PCE to see what happens there. 
course, that excludes energy and food. So maybe that one could be the one that could uh, make things look a little bit better. Let's see what happens here. What are you guys expecting to see? Um, I'm going to go wide. I'm telling you that because we could move here. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it could come in. If it comes in a little bit hot, I know, this is... we get yeah. back this rally in a hurry. But let's yeah, see. that's that's the hard no. part. A little right? silver lining market here right now. Let's see. It's breaking right now. Yeah, yeah a, a little part of me was thinking earlier in the week. Did did the market kind of front run this PCE number? It looks light. Looks light. Looks light. Looks a little bit light to me. Get your pop, so. and you just made a new pre-market high. Uh, we are something's going on here. Forty-three sixty-five. Someone has an opinion at sixty-five. To me, the initial move was up. So I'm, I'm just I'm calling what I see here. So in line or light is my guess. Or if it's more, it's not too much. But what do you got, Mitch? Come on, personal income spending PCE me. Dun dun dun. Core <laughs> PCE here at point one versus point two estimate. Uh, U.S. core PCE year over year at 3.9 versus that 3.9 estimate prior was 4.3. So we came down just in line. That's going to help things look a little bit better, at least I think in the short term. PCE price index year over year, 3.5 versus the 3.5 estimate. So it seems like things are coming in line there. Month over month, 0.4 versus 0.5 estimate prior being 0.2. Um, that's not the worst estimate. At least that yeah. did show a little bit of a jump, but not a massive jump, right? It didn't. It didn't go over the estimate there for the month over month. There we're, was... we're at the top of this. Like, let's just take it to rates here. And yep. inflation is pretty much licked. You know, like at least in the short term, we have wage inflation happening, so we have some other issues here. But short term here, you know, the Fed has every reason to slow her down. So we're at. We're not at a pivot. We're just out of pause. Like we're we're gonna get one more hike potentially, and then it's done. So what I did yesterday um, wasn't going and buying stocks here, but I was analyzing. I'm like, these bonds have been absolutely just hammered on everything, and I'm like, let's just analyze this. Are we going to seven percent, eight percent, nine percent? No, no, we're not going. There they no can't way. go that high. We got thirty-three trillion dollars in debt. So. If you think the yields are going, you know, to seven, eight, nine percent, I think you're crazy. So I think we're at the top of the cycle. So I went out and I actually did buy some bonds. All that the cash that I had moved from bonds to cash when I was worried about this, you know, going up here. Um, I think there's a time to like say that rates are probably more near their highs. And if rates are near their highs, that's good for bonds. So I actually went in, I did buy the TLT yesterday in my long-term account. I also bought um, Canadian equivalent GLT yep. with a bunch of provincial bonds in there, locking up these longer term rates. Like, I mean, some of these provincial bonds are like 4.95% right now. And um, I also went and bought a Loblaws preferred stock, which Wait, hasn't so been this low for like 20 years or for like 10 blah, years. Blah, blah. I just got to interrupt you. Blah, blah. Loblaws. That's the biggest <laughs> grocer in, in Canada. How do you spell that? L O B L A W apostrophe. Oh, you can't make this Blah stuff boss. up sometimes. <laughs> okay, I just because you, you said it five times on the show yesterday, and I'm because there's a Wawa's. Isn't there a Wawa's? I love Wawa's. Not not in Canada. There's no Wawa's. Okay, I'm sorry. I love Wawa's. But anyways, Loblaws. It's it owns all the groceries, so it all owns all the independents too. So you think you don't? You know, I don't go. I don't go to the. You know, I go. Well, you go to the superstore. Well, that's Loblaws. You know, they they own 
basically it's your biggest grocer in Canada. It's, you know, equivalent of Kroger, if not bigger, like for Canada, because Kroger's always got more competition. There isn't that much competition in Canada. So anyways, preferred stocks yield in 6.6%. It used to yield 4.5%. So I'm like this, you know, and you can say, well, why are you going into bonds for 4.5 or 5%? You know why? Because Capital if rates start going back down, you don't just get 4.5%, you get that recovery rally. So like if the TLT rallies from 88 to 100, well, I just made 15% on my month. Yep. So it isn't just about the yield. It's also about the possible uh, pop up. So I think that's where I'm putting a little bit of money to work. It's a cautious way to say that the Fed is getting close to being done. Yeah, that's uh, that's an excellent point. And also, like you look at this TLT and in the chart there, I mean, we don't we don't use the term like mean reversion a lot, you know, or, you know, we, we talk more retracements. But man, there's got to be some kind of mean reversion in here somewhere, right? Some kind of retracement. And then the other thing, Dennis, because you were on the closing print with me, and, and I was I was thinking about you know your bond move, and then I'm thinking about my portfolio, which is I have some bonds that obviously haven't done very well, but like the just the concept that you can get you know rates right now, you can get five, five and a half, six percent right now, you can get that you know locked in t-bills or whatever you want and now you got a chance to get uh, a bond yield uh near that or a dividend yield the bond like that. yield's always better than you know yeah you get that possible appreciation in yeah. price. i mean have you so the, ever, so the have you ever been here in canada it's l.prb because they do okay. the dog birds l.prb and it was $27 before all this started. 25 par, but it was trained 27 because they had the coupon was a little bit. I think it was like a five and a half, and they had it down to like a five. Well, it's down to 20, 20 even. So if it comes back to 25, well, 20, I pick up 25% there, plus I'm getting a six and a half percent. So, I mean, it's not a bad, not a, you know, I'm not going in here trying to make 50% or 100% of my money, but it's more attractive at cash at this point in time, I would say. So that's why, you know, it's some of this stuff that I'm like not putting it to equities, but putting it out in, in there to work and looking to get some appreciation on the price of the bonds as well. Maybe I think the bonds are dirt cheap. Um, and can you ever remember a time during your, you know, your investment life where, you know, you've been with this kind of scenario uh, where, you know, with with uh, solid rates, you could get, you know, five, five and a half, six percent. And then also, you know, with your patient, with the bond market, something like that, you can get, you know, some kind of, a, you know, a similar yield. It's just like, it's like, it seems like it's like nirvana. I mean, I know people want 15, 20, 30 percent. They want, uh, you know, the, the big runners and things like that. Uh, but I mean, it's just, I just like, I'm trying to think back when we've had this kind of uh, uh, opportunity. So. We shall see. Uh, we should. We don't. We should see what Ryan Dietrich has to say about this. Bring him in. Where is Ryan? You don't see me. There you are. You got your okay. ball cap on. There you are. I'm I'm Where's just sitting here. Gear? You're supposed to be wearing lion's gear today. This is ridiculous. 
I tell you, that was pretty impressive last night. I was, um, I was, I'm wearing my podcast. We got, we got these t-shirts. I'm, I'm, I'm just blindly or, um, blatantly hyping up my podcast. So tell us, tell us about that. What did you say, Dennis? Blah, blah. Well, what are you guys talking about? I'm like, have you never been to Canada, Ryan? I have. I was 19 once. I used to go to Windsor when I was 19. I, I, I know how Windsor was. You went there to drink. I get it. That's nineteen. Exactly. He was down there stomping Windsor's streets when he was 19 years yeah. old. Yeah. I probably yeah. bumped in you a few times out there. I didn't even know you back then. Probably. Probably still wearing the same stumbled. shirt. Well, I like stumbled in you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So how are you guys doing? Everybody good? Hey, you're celebrating the victory by having fun today? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're having yeah. fun. I've got but some the, charts but, for you. Let me see if yeah, I can figure them. it out. So I can share screen. Here we go. Give me a second. Yeah, let's get to the stats. The stats. Stats. Statman do. Of course, uh, like always, I always say, uh, we always say this, that uh, nobody knows where the there market go. can go. go, but there's nothing like stats to try to help you, right? Try to get we're you gonna, an edge. Let's get we're to gonna, We're going to try. I threw some stuff together. Hopefully you see that. You see this just happened? You see that slide? I hope. Yeah, it happened. Perfect. Perfect. So, I mean, I know some people talk about this. Bespoke was on it. I mean, you guys might have been on this. The SPY has been trading since 1993, right? S&P 500 ETF. Made a lower low nine straight days until yesterday. Yesterday we bounced. I did see PCE just came out. Looks like it might be bouncing a little more. So maybe who knows? Maybe up again today. But nine days in a row, we made a lower low. Super small sample size. I will admit people get mad when I point sometimes these things out. But it is what it is. Look at the screen there. A year later, you've got some big returns. And I get it. Look at those dates. Those are some rough times. Well, hey, we've just had you know a little bit of rough times. So I think it's just something I wouldn't ignore, the fact that maybe, just maybe, this is like a flush out, right? A major flush out. I've got some other things I'm going to talk about here. Um, but it's just interesting. This just happened where we had nine days in a row, a lower low, be open to the idea. That's what I'm going to talk about for a fourth quarter rally. Um, and that's kind of one thing to be aware of. I've shared this chart, I think, every time I come on with you guys for over a year and a half now. I'm going to do it again because it's just amazing at how well seasonalities played out. This is the this is the presidential cycle. The previous three quarters are supposed to be strong. My goodness, were they? This quarter wasn't all supposed to be that great. It wasn't. I know I come over to you guys, you know, all year saying rally, rally, rally. And then, like in August, we saw these. But remember when I talked about, oh, Mike Wilson saying that was like 2019. And then they all upgrade their targets. This was like at the end of the end of the middle of the year. I'm like, oh my goodness, wouldn't it be something if we finally had some volatility and a pullback because all these bears turn bullish? Yeah. Make how this happens. Um, anyway, so now we're still optimistic though for a fourth quarter rally. Um, you know, because the seasonals, I'm going to talk a little more about fourth quarter rallies here in a second. Uh, we'll skip that one. These are some charts I share on Twitter. People like them. This is a pre-election year. What's your average pre-election year look like? Well, it would have been perfectly normal to have a rally early in the year. Remember every strategist on TV or almost every strategist on TV was saying how there wouldn't be a rally the first half of the year. It'd be the second half of the year. You just look at the numbers and the stuff we talked about on here is that, hey, the first half of the year is usually strong for a pre-election year. It's later in the year things get choppy. And sure enough, that's played out. We're optimistic, though, as well as some of these things have played out. We're still going to get the upward bias into the fourth quarter, likely in our opinion. We've been overweight equities all year. We're actually looking to buy in here. Uh, we're talking about adding a little bit more. So we have a tad more overweight here for a fourth quarter rally. Similar chart. This is if you're up 10% for the year at the middle. So a good start to the year. Kind of looks the same to me. Choppiness. This is normal around here. It's also normal to have some end of year strength. Uh, the credit markets, this is triple B spreads. Get the chart straight from Y charts. Um, it is it's shocking to me, I'll be honest. The triple B spreads haven't 
has shown more stress than they are, then again, a sign that if there's a monster under the bed, you'd probably be a little bit more worried about you know, the lower graded companies paying back their debt. People aren't. They're not charging more yet. And yet's the key word. I get it. But I think this is another clue that this seasonal weakness we had with 7% pullback, give or take 6 7%, whatever it was on the S&P, um, is just kind of normal, right? It's not a reason to panic because we're not seeing the credit markets panic. A chart I share on Twitter, people love this one. Um, you know, it's if you buy any random day, how does the market do 10 days later? Well, listen, we just are in the midst of the worst, okay? You see it there. Like the worst 10 days of the year are what we just are about exiting, like right about now. So, again, it shouldn't be surprising. And I get why. I mean, listen, people say, why? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't argue with it. I just know the end of September, and it could be the Jewish holiday. It could be I, I've heard hedge funds stop trading, you know, their fiscal years in October, maybe cleaning some books in September. Whatever the reason is, we knew the end of September probably could be a little rough, and it has been. Now, the good thing is you see some more green coming up. October 28th is my birthday. If people like to see what day their birthday is, that's a pretty good day to buy. And if I'm going to send me a present, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> here, here's a couple, couple more, a couple more. So this is getting a little more in the weeds, but I know I got some traders. People understand this stuff. MACD histogram, right? The MACD histogram just flipped bullish. Um, let's see, I guess in early um, August, in early August, it just flipped bullish. This is a monthly MACD. Okay. It was negative for more than six months. Now that's, that's people talk about this bigger picture, but the MACD line stayed above zero. And I know that's kind of confusing. Hopefully most people understand what I'm talking about here. We didn't see that in like the financial crisis and the tech bubble. So there's some underlying strength potentially. And when you have that scenario, that's what I'm sharing on the screen. More than six months of a monthly MACD histogram negative flips to bullish like it did two months ago. But the MACD line stays above zero the whole time. It is what it is. Check out the returns there. Pretty strong forward forward uh, performance. Yes, the last two months have been a little choppy, a little rough. This would be saying, hey, we, we might want to be thinking about seriously buying the dip potentially, and that's the camp we're in. Just another good chart. It is what it is. October um, tends to be known for a lot of things like bear markets. It's not all that bad of a month, but November and December are really strong. Just kind of, again, things to think about. Now, reason you guys invited me, a couple more on fourth quarter, then we can chat. Uh, fourth quarter is strong quarter, right? Up 4.2% on average. It is what it is. The tw uh, twice, uh, how do I wear this? Uh, um, twice as strong as the next best quarter. The first quarter there, you see it there, about 80% of the time. Something to think about. But here's some other things to layer on top of that. When you're down at least 1% in August and September, like we are, right? We're going to be this time, right? That's seasonal weakness. It's kind of normal. You tend, and this isn't even looking at how the year is doing. This is throwing everything else out. Just if you have seasonal weakness in the months that are normally not that great, check it out. Fourth quarter has been higher 12 out of 13 times, going back to 1950, up 7% on average. Just something to think about that the seasonal weakness isn't a bad thing. Just the last couple of years, right? Beast spoke got a cool thing. September has been bad, like four years in a row now. Well, the fourth quarter hasn't been. So, again, just because September is bad doesn't mean you can't have a fourth quarter rally. But this is about the last one. If we're in the sweet spot up 10, between 10 and 20% for the year, like we're going to be today with a little bounce, it looks like. For a while there, it's like, ooh, we might not be above 10% the way September is looking, but we're going to maybe have an end of month bounce. Another one, you're up a little bit. What is it? Fourth quarter is up 5.1% average. So, a little bit better fourth quarter returns when you're in that sweet spot up 10 to 20 percent yes when i do this way this way it takes out 87 87 we're up like 30 percent for the year or something like that going into october or something like that so yeah that took out 87 but i don't think we're in the same scenario as 87 because the market's pulled back and you know we're in that kind of sweet spot so that's just something to think about last one i believe this last one the government shutdown i've done a blog on this and shared this everybody's talking about it yeah i mean it's not great to have government shut down you want to get a passport you want to go to a park people aren't going to get paid i mean those aren't good things okay 
but the market looks past it. It is what it is, gained 10% during the last shutdown. Yes, the Fed did the pivot in late 2018, so news trumps charts. We understand that. But usually these are fairly short. I mean, you could say what's one of my worries. Maybe the government shutdown lasts longer, right? I think in, in the Ned Davis came out and said every week we'll take away 0.1% from GDP. Now, when you open it back up, people kind of go out and the, the government spending comes back and you kind of make it up in a hurry. So maybe an extended shutdown could cause a little volatility. I, don't, I wouldn't be too worried, though. And honestly, it, usually the market looks right past it. Well, there we go. I'll, I'll breathe. Um, those are my charts, guys. What do we think? Holy, the information station here. Man, <laughs> Ryan Dietrich Statman on fire here today. And you, you guys got a little break there, didn't you? I, I gave you a break from talking. I I started saying, let me know. I, I was ready to bounce. Turns it around. This guy, man, gives you, you know, so much food for thought. I'm like just trying to digest it all here right now. And I don't even know where to go with the question here. I can go anywhere. Want to talk about football? I don't know. Well, we could go back to football. Let's go talk to the Bears. So. The Bears so, aren't so, doing good right now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring it back to stocks and bring it back to sectors here, Ryan, because mm. we have had a pullback here. There has been a dip here. And where would you be looking if you're looking to buy the dip? Because, I mean, there the dips in the IWM mm -hmm. and the QQQ are much different. The I'm IWM sure. is almost all the way back down to give back all of its gains for the year. I don't know what mm -hmm. the IWM is up on the year, but I think it's almost nothing. Right. So, like, I'm just looking where it started the year. I'm just trying it's to nothing. The chart here. Nothing. It's basically nothing. It might be up 1% for the year. And then you got the S&P up 12%. Would right. you stay with what's working with the S&P? Or would you start looking through the small caps and say, hey, maybe there's a catch-up trade here? No, great, great question there. And I'll put it this way. We, we're expecting the catch-up trade. We have been overweight small caps for maybe a quarter and a half or so approximately. So it hasn't worked the last two months. I mean, there's no question there. Um, so I'm talking my book or not. But we, we just don't see a recession, right? We think the reality is the Fed is likely done. You guys are just talking about some of this stuff. Um, you know, we think there could be a catch-up trade. Historically, small caps do really well in the fourth quarter and the first quarter of a pre-election year slash election year. So so those are some things we're looking at. And, and again, I know this is a lot more shorter term traders on this call but small caps are about as cheap as they've ever been relative to large caps so large caps are a little pricey we've been more neutral technology we've been more overweight communication services we thought you know tech's probably gonna come back to earth a little bit doesn't mean you have to stop going up maybe just go sideways or so and some of these other areas cyclicals we like cyclicals i mean we've energy's been our favorite group i come on with you guys for a while say so we like energy well now everybody likes energy but we, we've we've been comfortable in that and we still see some reasons to think energy could do well so those cyclicals and small caps where we have some small tilts we, we run a lot of money for our more than 350 cars and partners and um we've got some small tilts and cyclicals and small caps and um it's kind of do or die i did that um chart summit with jc the other day and and you know the, 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 a lot of smart people are on there talking about small caps are at do or die level and i kind of agree i mean there's some reasons mm -hmm. that small caps better bounce now and we have seen that this week finally we've seen some small cap outperformance i get it, it's only a couple of days but again it's bouncing where it should be so we'll we're following that one real closely what about, about retail? This? Retail. Oh, I'm sorry, Mitch. Go ahead. No, you're good. What uh, about so your I retail? Wanted... <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, consumer discretion, or word is more neutral on. I get it. I mean, retail, it's a mixed bag. It feels like you look, there's some that are doing great and some talking about theft and shutting down stores. Others like are selling left and right. So it's it's mixed. We're, we're more neutral there. But I will say on, on retail, it's shocking to me. 
um, you know, the, how everyone says how bad the consumer is, you know, we just, the data we're looking at continues to say it's not so bad. I mean, credit card debt, over a trillion dollars. We understand, I've shared some charts on this before, but, you know, all-time record, yes. But if you look at credit card debt as a percent of, you know, disposable income, I mean, it's wildly less than it was like 10, 15 years ago because people are worth a lot more. And I, I get the argument, well, that's, you know, because the top 1% or top 10% have more. But then you look at where net wealth has come, guys, just this decade. This decade, the lower 50% of um, net income earners, their net wealth has exploded higher relative to um, to top earners. So, again, there's different ways to look at it. I'm not saying things are perfect. I, I'm fully aware there. But I just think that we think that consumers in a lot better shape, um, and that's from a structural you know, bull market slash uh, no recession call, which has been our call all year. We said no recession started the year. People were furious when we said that. And we said, because the consumer is in pretty good shape. We still see a consumer in pretty good shape. I understand some credit card um, delinquencies and things are starting to perk up. It's almost like they're more normalizing, though. They're almost getting where they were pre-pandemic levels. We just had such a unique situation with the pandemic. So we're watching, but we still don't see any recession. Consumers okay, but consumer discretionary, we're more neutral overall. Now, one chart that you've been showing and you've shown this chart all year, and I love that you bring it back, the presidential cycle, right? And yeah. we could bring that up if you'd like. I know that you guys have seen it multiple times. And yeah, now that it's pointing, yeah, we've gotten through that kind of nice raise, nice little lift period, but we're running into a, the trouble period right now, the third year, third quarter. You, you said that right. you see in the fourth quarter a little bit of a lift, but another thing that I'm seeing on that chart is what's coming in the fourth year. Right. Yeah. And what should we be looking forward towards there, Ryan? Can you explain us a little bit what the stats say? Yeah, I'm failing miserably. Um, trying to share this. Here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. Okay, so you should see that. So where was that? That was early. Let's take a look. Here That's we go. Here, early, here. Yeah. There we go. So you can see be the ones on the right. I mean, historically, you know, year two midterm years are the worst for stocks. And again, these are just broad swipes, broad conversation pieces. And it, it's like the new president comes in, or maybe the same president comes in, and you know, you hit some bumps, hit some bruises, but that third, usually they say the economy gets going, you want to push the right levers where we are now to get things um get people in a good mood but here's the thing i think that's important to note when and i don't have it broken down here but i i I write about it maybe sooner and later because i get this question a lot all of a sudden when you have a president up for re-election markets tend to do better in that election year and why is that well you, you kind of you know what you're going to get that doesn't mean they're going to win i don't want to you know i don't want to get too in, a, in, the, in that but you just kind of know what you're going to get let's look who, who might run this time well might have the same two guys we had before right i mean that's i'm not don't don't shoot the messenger here that could be what happens yeah. we know what we're going to get so we're optimistic that if that is the play Markets aren't going to have as much uncertainty. There's always uncertainty. I understand that. But but when you have a president up for election, and I don't know if we've ever had one like this, we might have the same guy who ran before, but the same guy was president before, you know what you're going to get, you know, with both of them. So we're not um, as worried about, um, you know, I guess election year jitters as maybe some previous years is where we are. But again, the fourth year of the presidential cycle does pretty, pretty well. You can see there, yeah, this is the first, um, um, which one is it? The first quarter, not all that great, but you tend to have some rallies, you know, the later in the year relative to kind of the first and second year of a cycle. So we're still in that sweet spot. Where was, here we go, here we, here we go. So there's another one. Here's another one. Um, you see with a new president, check out year four on the right there, year four under a new president of 12% on average. That's pretty good. It's when you have a reelected president, like we were talking about there. So like a guy who you know, reelected means they're about out of the office, right? They're, they're, they're about, you know, somebody new's coming in, no matter what happens, you know, somebody's news coming in. So again, that's when you have more um, uncertainties. So I think this is a pretty cool chart just showing from that point of view, your average years of 7.3 in year four. But again, with a president who's new first, first, first cycle going through things do all right. So I think that's important to note. 
what would upset the apple cart? What what mm-hmm. would turn this scenario? I mm-hmm. mean, you got a lot of statistics going in. Um, you know, there's macro things that could happen. Is there, you know, what what would what could go wrong, Ryan? What could go wrong? Yeah, well, there's, there's a lot, obviously. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that could go. There's, maybe Joe Burrow hurts his, hurts his leg again. One, one thing I'll start with. <laughs> yeah, think about it. Um, the, the U.S. dollar strength is one thing. I know you guys talk about this a lot. I mean, dollars up 10 weeks in a row. You know, I mean, we'll see where it goes this week. But that's one that's got our attention that, you know, a lot of dollar strength isn't always good. And the other thing, we've been bullish energy. We're all actually a tad of weight commodities in some of our broader-based uh, portfolios we run. We haven't for a while. We just think, you know, Commodities might do a little bit better, and we've we've seen that overall. Yeah. You know, if oil keeps soaring here, I mean, we've seen what happens with consumer confidence. Consumer confidence and oil are like inversely related. You can throw everything else out. You check out energy and consumer. I'm sorry, oil and consumer confidence. They're in, inversely related. So if consumers start getting a little more worried about the higher oil prices yeah. unless they're investing in energy stocks, which most <laughs> people aren't. Um, you know, uh, that that could be one thing that that gets us. And that's not our base case. We are still overweight in energy. We are still overweight you know, oil stocks in general. But um, you know, that's one that could could get us. Um, you know, but again, I, I I'll put a bow on this. At the end of the day, if you say, what are the two things you watch? I mean, one, I like advanced decline lines, which are starting to show, you know, they're not perfect. They're not totally breaking down. The other, those credit markets, I shared that chart. I mean, I don't know where it is. Somewhere in here. Credit, is that it there? There it is. Credit market. There it is. We're just not seeing any stress. You know, until we see stress, and we watch this every single day, until we see stress in the credit markets and the spreads, then it's just hard to think that this big um, calamity is going to come like we keep hearing. So we're not seeing that yet. So I'll keep following that over just about anything. Ryan Dietrich joining us here on Pre-Market Prep. He's the chief market strategist at the Carson Group. Always just a a great interview, bunch of information, helping traders, investors, short-term and long-term. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Anytime, guys. Have a great weekend. Enjoy football. Let's get some green maybe today, too. A green Friday. Let's go for it. Hopefully that that, that calf can hold up there, Ryan. (laughs) We'll see. Go blue. All right. Uh, I did want to throw in there some education here from Carson Group. If you guys want to check that out, I threw up the blog here, insights that you guys can be checking in and also keeping up with what Ryan Dietrich does on a daily basis, right? You guys definitely give him a follow. Let's get back to the markets. How are we looking, Joel? Uh, we're just holding up near the highs of the session. Uh, we didn't even get a dip. That was one thing about when you have your numbers. Do I need to share again or you got me? Uh, there Already, was no, man. There was, there was, it was no light dip. and they were buying right off the hop. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So top I got some of- things to look at. I got some things to look at here for you guys. I, I was going to bring this up before, but we had Ryan with, you know, he's okay. the stat yeah. man. So what I did here is this is, of course, you know, the, the BEA. You guys, I can give you guys a link if you guys want to check this out. This brings the recent action, right, of the PCE, right? And so now we're looking at inflation on certain things. This is durable goods, right? Motor vehicle parts, furnishing and durable uh, house goods, recreational goods, and other durable goods here. You can see how this had gone into the negatives. It's slowly working back to kind of break even where inflation could actually go up, but it's not as bad. Now, when we look at non-durable goods, this is where we're actually seeing inflation come back, right? Where this went into deflation here in the negatives and just recently now started spiking back towards the upside. So this is what what does non-durable goods include? We're talking food and beverages, right? Clothing and footwear, gasoline and other energy. All the stuff right? we need. All the stuff <laughs> we need, right? Other non-durable goods. And if we look at gasoline, look at gasoline. It did go into kind of the negatives. It was negative 5.5 here. Yeah. Now we're all the way back to 10.2. 
So this showing me that, yeah, if gasoline prices stay up here, inflation's going to start rising. Here is the issue, and this is why I still remain cautious on equity markets, despite all the fantastic analysis and quantitative stats from Ryan, is I believe we're going to enter a period where margins are getting squeezed. Because I think we're at a period where the consumer is still fairly strong. But they may not have as much money to obviously buy some of the bigger ticket stuff. There may be more discretion, less discretionary purchases. Um, so it's all supply and demand at the end. You know, what you can charge for something is what somebody's willing to pay for it. But if we have increased labor inflation, which we're seeing everywhere, obviously UPS, the GM, board strikes, you know, we're seeing, you know, the government shutdown, you know, we're going to see, you know, increase in labor costs across the board. And if demand isn't increasing as well, that probably means margins are going to get squeezed. I mean, that's why Workday fell 10% yesterday was because they worried about margins going from 30% to 25%. I mean, if we have margins start getting squeezed here, those corporate profits are going to get hit. And if you start seeing earnings warnings coming on margins, and as we enter earnings season, that's my concern going forward here. So I do think it's nice to get, you know, like, you know, a nice 90 point S&P rally from three days ago, which is fun. And, you know, it's nice to, you know, like make some money, you know, buying the dip and stuff. But I still think caution going forward here because I just don't see us going back to all time highs. Maybe it's inflation. Maybe everything just keeps going up and people find the money. Maybe the labor that they're, you know, the increased wages are going to move right back to the economy and that's going to drive demand. But I think we could enter a period of margin start getting squeezed. And we're we're entering a little bit of a quiet period here. Uh, we you know we have the uh, unemployment data coming out next week, and then inflation data a little bit later in the month, and then you start to get into Q3 uh, earnings season. So sometimes it's like in the absence of bad news, right? It's you know in something you know, no really negative catalyst. This is something that the reaction that, you know, you get in the market and you could just have, you know, this kind of slow rally until you get more fundamental information. The, mo- the most important will be uh, actually the inflation data coming out, I believe on the 11th and 12th. We'll be talking about that uh, with Blue Putnam. And then I believe JP Morgan, I believe it's October 16th. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but, you know, here we go again. And, you know, Delta Airlines, if you would have been following Delta Airlines on its, you know, air, oh, the best what the CEO airlines, was saying. Yeah. I mean, contrarian moves. So we'll see what happens. But uh, we do have more fundamental information coming, but it's not going to be enough, you know, for another 10 days, 12 days. Yeah. So. so you have a relief rally here. This is a dead cat bounce, your classic dead cat bounce relief rally here. Think about the 50% retracement, get to like 436, 437. I think you're unloading. I think you get this really far. I think if you bought stocks two days ago, I think you're unloading into this today. I think you just got to be cautious here. I just don't see the setup. And, you know, again, you know, I'm a trader. So, you know, and I, I'm, I may change my opinion here, but the one call that I am willing to make and that I made yesterday is that I still think rates are near their peak i don't think we're going to continue to see the long end just going sad like you know where, where are we on the 30 year you know four and change we're not yeah, going four six, and a half. seven six seven yeah. percent i just don't see it that's what jamie diamond said that's what jamie diamond i know said. jamie diamond is wrong jamie diamond is wrong we're not going to seven percent and um you can say inflation's here to stay sure there's going to be some inflation here to stay but we're not going that high this is servicing not without the economy really falling off a cliff 
So, and I think if the economy really falls off a cliff, the Fed starts to really back off and starts to actually pivot and starts to cut rates. So the call that I'm making yesterday and today is that we are at peak rates, very close to peak rates. And that's what I was buying yesterday, bonds trying to profit from the call of we're at peak rates and rates are going to start to come in. So if rates start to come in, I'm going to make money on these bond purchases. Like I said, you know what I bought yesterday, I can repeat it, I bought the TLT. I bought some provincials and, you know, an ETF um, in Canada, which is equivalent to a bunch of government bonds, too, which are yielding up words of four and a half percent from like one percent three years ago. Oh, so I think there's, And then the law of laws prefer you guys make fun of me on that one six and a half percent. I mean, yeah. again, it's not going just for the six and a half percent, folks. It's going after the fact that if rates start to come in, I'll get appreciation in those bond prices. Blah, blah, right. money, man. Just blah, yeah. blah, money. Yeah. Um, and this is just kind of, you know, what I, and I hope I, you know, expressed myself clearly last week with like the reaction to Powell and everything. I mean, he, he basically stayed where he is. He never changed his stance. He's, he said he may go another quarter. He didn't, he didn't do anything to me to change, you know, what, uh, you know, what the plan has been, but uh, it's 901 here. We got to wrap things up. We're at the highs of the pre-market session, uh, which is to slow drift up. Believe it or not, if we get back to 43.83.50, that's only 15 handles away. That's Monday's high. We'll be all the way back at all this doom and gloom and everything. Monday's high was, uh, let me, yeah, Monday's high was What an opportunity 50. to get out. What an opportunity we're, to get out. If we're, you're we're really sitting the there on leverage, margined up, <laughs> and you're like puking your guts out three days ago, you're getting a nice gift here, man. 4361 uh -huh. was where we closed last week. If we close, we, we could close green for the week after the debacle that we had earlier. But uh, that's it for me. Uh, I'm we're going to hear from the cow guy. Well, you tune in at 8 o'clock to hear my intro. And then the cow guy's coming on. Scott Shalady will be on at 8.05. All right. Joel's getting out of here. Dennis is getting out of here. You, you, you ready for this market, Dennis? Yeah, I think I'm selling the rip today. I think I'm getting in here and just, you know, lightening up some stocks. If you're in there, maybe there's a few that you don't like and they're getting a nice lift in here. Again, it's stock selection here, though. Like I absolutely, the one stock I'll just say is I'm still very nervous about Apple. You're getting a nice pop in Apple here. This iPhone overheating is going to be an issue here, too. I mean, okay. just think about how much the upgrade cycle. It's all about the upgrade cycle and everybody's going to want the 15. I just heard it's overheating. You know what I said with my wife? Like she was talking about the you know iPhone 15. It's like overheating. It's like, well, maybe I'll go to the 14 or maybe I won't, you know, go at all for the, you know, this time. I mean, how many other people are saying that same thing? If they Apple needs people to upgrade their phones, that's how they produce the amount of cash flow that they do. People are nervous to upgrade, man. That's not a good thing. All right, guys, we'll be wrapping up in just a second here. Now, one thing that I wanted to point to right quickly is financial services. Are you still seeing weakness there, Dennis, that we should maybe be concerned on? Uh, sorry, what was the question again here, Mitch? I was just... Financials. How are you seeing the financials? Uh, still nervous about them. I mean, they haven't participated. The IWM is still sitting here. We can say how much of a bull rip or in bull market here, but the IWM is flat on the year. I mean, that's the majority of your stocks. So it has not been a great year for stocks overall. It's been a great year for tech. It's been a great year for mega tech. It's not been a great year for stocks. Gary's given it all back. I mean, if you've been investing in banks this year, 
you're doing really bad, man. KRE is down on the year. BAC, we're just going into the banks. BAC, I believe, is down on the year. If you've been investing in banks on the year, you were losing money. And, you know, and you're watching this market go back right straight up, and you're like, wow. So, I mean, a diversified portfolio isn't hasn't done great this year. What did great was heavy tech. That's what did great this year. So is there a catch-up trade for banks? They always say, is there a catch-up trade for banks? They just perennially underperform. Since the financial crisis, it's just been a bad bet. Unless you're in JP Morgan, there's a couple of big winners, but just the banks. And, and if you look at the Canadian banks, holy, what a what a disaster they have been. I mean, just, you know, you're looking at them from the last two years. A lot of these Canadian banks down 30% from the highs. And you think, oh, yeah, well, the markets, it can't get better. The consumer can't get stronger. Well, what happens if the consumer weakens on these banks? What happens if we don't continue to just have this rosy scenario where the consumer is strong? Consumer remains strong, but are we in as good as it gets? I mean, we got to keep asking ourselves that question because if you know you're not in this as good as if you're in this as good as it gets environment, your stock's not going up in this environment. What's it going to do when it's not as good as it gets? I mean, that's what makes me nervous on Disney. Doesn't even participate in the rally at all yesterday. I mean, what if you know the consumer starts to not go to Disney World all of a sudden? Now that cash cow that of of all your parks that has been keeping all your other crappy businesses alive starts to get hurt too, then you've got a problem. So, I mean, parks is like 55% of their revenues. So, I mean, we can complain about ESPN and all that stuff all you want, but it's water under the bridge. It's the parks that matter. People start stop spending, you know, their $150 a ticket to go to Disney World. Then Disney's got problems. There's a reason that stock's not participating. There's a reason, you know, there's a lot of stocks that aren't participating. So I think you got to be very selective with what you're buying. Now, you guys out there, we get all this insight from Dennis Dick. Give my man some love. Give him a nice follow. Triple D Trader. Go do what you do best, my friend. Get after your trading action and enjoy your weekend, Dennis. Have Pretty a good much. one. All right, that's going to do it for us. Coming up, live trading. Don't go anywhere. Stick right here for your live trading stream.